Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hello, welcome to the table. I'm glad you are here with us today. Life is a journey. My journey in life began about 60 years ago, so there's my life's journey. And then I began my spiritual journey about uh, when I was age 10 or 11, around 1969, 1970. So for 50 years, I've been following the one we talk about on this podcast a whole lot, Jesus. And so there's that journey going on in my life. I'm in the midst of my 61st year of life. There's that trip around the sun that we all make. Uh, every year, the 365, 366 day, 66 day journey. So often we're on a big journey and we're on a journey within a journey. And today I want to spend just a little time talking about the journey within the journey within the journey. And more particularly, I'm talking about the journey of Lent. We are in the about to be in the Lenten season. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent. And uh, here to kind of help me unpack talking about that journey and also to talk about his own journey is my good friend, Hunter Harris. Hunter, welcome to Redemption's Table. Thank you, Robert. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to having a good discussion about this. Me too. We're sitting at one of my favorite tables, (laughs) my home, uh, kitchen table, uh, which to me is, is, like I say, it's one of my favorite tables, but... The whole idea in this podcast idea is that so much good happens around tables. It's where you have the best conversations sometimes. And, you know, it's where you can be more open about things and maybe say things that maybe you're not comfortable sharing out in public. You know, your own home and your own table. That's, that's why it's good to have these kind of conversations and have this, this time together. Yeah. So. yeah. I love the table. I think it's so... So personal, so so real, and like I say, we're in my home, but actually you had the idea. You provided the idea for what is on this table today. What are we sharing? We are sharing a Doughboys king cake, which if you have not been to Doughboys in Millbrook, Alabama, you need to go over there. I'll give them a little plug. They are delicious. The king cake is awesome. The donuts are awesome. You need to check them out. Yeah. If it were not for you, I would not know about Doughboys. <laughs> I try to spread the message as best I can. That's good. Support your local bakery, folks, That's wherever right. it happens to be. I like Krispy Kreme. Love Krispy Kreme, but I love Doughboys. So, 
It's a good king cake, too. It is delicious. I uh, just had a piece, and I probably don't need to eat another one, so I'm probably going to wait. We've got the whole bit. thing right here on the table, folks, so we might, you know, <laughs> might have another bite or two. Yeah. I, I embrace all things, New well, back up. I embrace almost all things New Orleans, not all things, but I love the music, love the the culture, love the uh, the food, and of course, king cake is one of my favorite this time of year. It's tied in to Lent. It's usually served during Mardi Gras, and you're the one that suggested king cake, and I thought, well, that's perfect because of the time. It of does year. fit with the time of the year, you mm -hmm. know. When in Rome, you know, you kind of fit into what the season is, and this uh, this cake obviously has a. You know, it's good, it tastes good, but it does have more meaning to it. You know, we are celebrating a, a big time in the in the life of uh, what Scripture teaches us, you know. This is an important time of the year where we can sit down and, and reflect and be intentional about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah. So. If you ever have cheesecake, or cheesecake, you ever have king cake, <laughs> you want to chew your king cake slowly, if, especially if you've never had it before. And why is that? You might find a little uh, doll in there that represents uh, baby Jesus in there. I, I did not know that the first time I ate it, and somebody said, hey, there's a baby in my cake. And I was <laughs> like, okay, we need to take it back, or there's something wrong with it. But I found that out the hard way, you know, thinking there was something wrong. But it is intentional. Somebody does put it there on purpose. Yeah, so, so that's really cool. Another yeah. cool little bit of trivia to learn about king cake. Part of why I invited you to the table today. Uh, at the beginning of every year, I send out a an email, a text to my friends, and it's just basically saying, here we are, start of another, another year. How may I pray for you in the coming year? And I've been doing that for, I don't know how many years, and sometimes I hear back, sometimes I don't. And I just, for those of you who may be listening, who uh, maybe I've sent that request to you in years past, I, I'm, I don't keep record. I don't keep uh, a chart. I don't know who, who's been naughty <laughs> or nice. I, I don't know. Uh, I always say when people ask me something, often my response is, I'm easy like Sunday morning. And I am about this too. Uh, but there's something about the power of prayer and asking someone, how, can, how may I pray for you? Um, I've had people do that for me, and sometimes I'm at an immediate loss on how to respond to that. I don't think we always uh, uh, maybe know, maybe it, we ought to be praying for one another and asking for that prayer all the time. But your prayer response this year struck me, and I, I'm going to share if you... Yes, that's, that's fine. Yeah, uh, with the, I would say thousands of people, with the hundreds of people that are listening <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, here, here was your prayer request for 2020. You wrote, you said, I pray that I become more developed in my personal Bible study. I tell you what, actually, and if you'll flip it over there, just in case, I'll let you read your own words. How about sure. that? That I become more developed in my personal Bible study, not necessarily the quantity of time, but the quality of it. I feel like I have a lot to learn, and I want my, quote, rest to be my abiding in Christ more than just desiring for lazy time. I know that's what it will take for the growth that I need, so that I pray I'll be more diligent in making time for rest in Scripture and avoid the temptation of choosing to rest in other things. Yeah. When I read that, I thought, wow, that uh, there's a lot of thought there. That's, that's a really, really good prayer request. And it fits right in this particular season, but really that's a prayer request for all seasons. 
And my question, you sent that to me into January. I was a little late getting my question out this year, but that's been about a month since you put that out there. Uh, and my first question is, how are you doing with that thus far? It's just been a month. It has just been a month, but I will say it, what has helped, it was really cool that I had mentioned that to you, and at the same time, our church has also done a daily uh, Bible reading plan uh, going through right now we're in Exodus around Exodus chapter 29 and we have been reading a few chapters a day as a church so my personal development is that I have stuck with that and when you do that it's it's helped me understand our pastor uses the word meta narrative the understanding of the story of God from Genesis to Revelation is all the same it's never changed or anything like that the God that we speak of in Genesis is the same God that John speaks of in Revelation and it's the story that's still being written today you know you think of the Bible as maybe an old manuscript or a text or something but that's not the way that that God intended it it is his command we see Jesus talking to his disciples is to go out and live out what has been said, what has been written, mm -hmm. so that we might make more disciples. It's never the end. It's your story is never retirement and sit on my butt. Yeah. It's never there. You never retire from the ministry. You never retire from doing things for God. And I think when we understand that, it helps us to realize how important it is to be in the Word constantly because the Word is thought of in high regard. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Mm -hmm. That is how important it is to understand what God has to say to you. You have to be able to diligently be in it in order to understand what it means. Yeah, yeah and you bring up a good point. I think sometimes we have this concept that the Americanized version of Christianity is the version of Christianity. And some of the things that we celebrate or look forward to as Americans, it's driven by our culture, it's not driven scripturally. And so you talk about retirement, uh, that you know concept, or you just all these things and these thoughts that we have. Uh, so there are two different things. Jesus came along when when he, uh, he, when he came, when he taught, he just turned the tables on everything that flesh and blood thinks. He did, and I think specific to that issue of retirement, there's obviously it's important to work your life preparing for your, your years where maybe you're not as able to do other things. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that you shouldn't prepare or that you shouldn't be smart with with how you handle things, but I do think instead of treating that as our time to rest, mm -hmm. we, we think of it as when I get done with this, I can rest in my retirement. Mm -hmm. In reality, it's always a cycle of work and rest. Jesus says, abide in me mm -hmm. so that you may bear much fruit. And apart from him, what does he say? He says we can do nothing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty stark. You either are going to be somebody that makes fruit or you're going to be somebody that does nothing. There's no in-between there. Yeah. So it's important that we understand that our whole life is a mission for God. It's not a time broken between the time you are born to 
time you get out of school to when you start working to where you end working and you're 62 or 65, whatever that age is for you. And then you say, okay, time to sail off into the sunset. That's not how we were made to live. And when we understand the whole story of God from Genesis to Revelation, we understand that even the, the people that he loved the most died giving their life for him. They never even had in their minds it's time for me to rest. It's time for me to go home and just kind of let it be. You know, that's, that's important that we understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And many of them in that, that time frame, they didn't make it to 65. Yeah. That might've been a <laughs> They didn't have a choice, you yeah, know, yeah. they were, some were even killed for yeah. what they did. And, and they did not worry about the repercussions of teaching God's name. You even have examples, I believe in Acts, don't quote me on that, but they get flogged in prison, and they say, "Okay, well, I counted it. You know, it's a joy. I, I'm going to keep doing it. You yeah, know? I'm going to keep on telling people about Jesus because that's what I was made to do." Yeah, yeah. Want to throw something in the mix here? Your prayer request about looking, you know, to to rest well, to rest well in the Lord, and your steps that you've already begun to take, or at, rather, how you're doing. Uh, we haven't really talked about steps, although you kind of included some of that, but just about your life. You are a young husband. Uh, young, when I say young, you've been married coming up on five years. Yeah, yeah, in May. yeah. If you started a family, you have. I have two awesome young boys. Yeah, and uh, three years old tomorrow, and a three month old. Yeah, so, and so yes, yeah, so you're at the start of your career, so to speak. You graduated. You have a bachelor's and a master's. Yes, yes, that's correct. I did graduate from Alabama with my bachelor's degree, and I came here to Auburn University, Montgomery, for my master's degree. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, I'm at a, our lives intersected. I'm grateful to be in the stands watching your journey unfold, or often running that. certain little stretches with you. And it's exciting to see, but young father, young career starting out, young husband, all these things that to find time. To be still before the Lord, not easy. No, it's not. And, um, you know, this is the part where maybe I have the most work to do. If we're being honest with ourselves, I'm working on my, that prayer request is more targeted towards me. But mm-hmm. my job as as a husband is to lead my wife the same way. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, in all transparency and in, in the interest of transparency, that's where I have the most work to do. And Jennifer and I have both spoken about that, and I know that it's my job to be the leader of the family in the spiritual realm. So another element of that prayer request, maybe, you know, it's, it's baby steps. You know, you have to get yourself right. You have to be able to lead your family. And if you have children, you have an even bigger responsibility. You're primary mission field is your children. A lot yeah. of people wonder, you know, you know, am I supposed to be a missionary to these people? If you have children, I encourage you, that is your primary mission field. Don't overlook the people that live in your four walls to go talk to somebody else and forsake them. Yeah. 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 That's good insight right there. Uh, so you're, you're facing the challenges in the I don't want to say in the trenches because it's such a joy to be at the time of life that you're in and just so many, everything is always fresh and brand new. But nevertheless, it is a challenge. Uh, you have stated that one of the ways, one of the intentional steps you're taking is to be in the Word and your church has come along beside you 
and giving you a plan for that. What are some of the other steps you think you need to take or need to add uh, that will help you uh, and help God answer that prayer in your life? Because I could pray that for you. Right. And everybody now listening can pray that prayer. Or we could pray for one another. But there comes a point when our prayers, the amen is said, and we have to do something to bring those prayers to fruition. Sure. So uh, part of that prayer request was that I, I choose to rest in the Word as opposed to other things. Mm-hmm. And my most favorite thing to do is travel. I love it. I love doing it. Uh, you know, it's, it's what I spend a lot of my time planning if we're going somewhere. It's, it is harder to do with two small children, mm-hmm. granted, but, you know, I've always loved to do it. Jennifer loves to do it. Uh, we both enjoy that a lot. And that is what I find myself, I catch myself thinking, man, if I could just go on this trip or, you know, if I could just, this would be a great time to get away. Mm-hmm. That is the part where you find, you, you say, I've got to do this to get some rest mm-hmm. or I've got to get away for a bit so that I can rest. That is not how we were meant to live. I love travel, but it's almost as if it's got to do a 180 for me. Travel is is valuable. Mm-hmm. It helps me uh, a little recharge a little bit, but rest is something that we work out of, not something we arrive at. Mm-hmm. You think about creation. God made man on the sixth day. What did he do the next day? He rested with them mm-hmm. because he was tired. No, because he wanted to spend time with them, and out of that rest comes the work that we're supposed to do. It's why. Sunday or the Sabbath, you know, is is why they kept it is because it's not not a weekend mindset like we have, like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend, mm-hmm. you know, because I've got to arrive at something. The rest is something that you start out with. It's something that when you abide with God, that is how you bear the fruit. You don't do your own thing and, and show up on Sunday morning and say, All right, I'll recharge my battery. Mm-hmm. You know. Sunday is a time where you you come together with other believers, where you take time to worship God. Not something for you. It's not there for your pleasure. It's something for God. It's it's to be with Him, to commune with Him, so that you can commune with Him Monday to Saturday. So that out of your rest comes fruit bearing in your life, which turns into fruit bearing in your family's life, in your friend's life. It's all connected to working out of that rest. Yeah. It's all about abiding. And abiding is a word we don't usually talk about when we talk about rest, but it is an abiding with God, kind of walking alongside of Him as He leads you. Yeah. And so that was what struck me about the phraseology of your prayer. You know, I was going to ask you how that took shape. Uh, because again, we don't talk, we don't use those kind of terms anymore. And you're right, what we think of as rest. We have a different definition. If I mention we need some rest, there's no telling what will come to our mind. But usually, you know, it's get me away. taking a nap because yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted yeah. from two children. <laughs> yeah. But you said you know you want your rest to be in Him, yeah, and not resting, uh, wasting time or laziness is the word you use. Apathy, there. even yeah. if yeah. we want to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, it really is. You know, life is full of time suckers, and If you choose to fill your life with time suckers, you will find your life empty at the end. Yeah. 
if we're just being blunt here. Uh, your life was not meant to exist. You were meant to live out, I think Romans 12, 2, to be in your body, 12, 1 and 2, to live out your life as your worship, mm-hmm. not your Sunday morning from 9 to 12 a.m. That is your purpose in life is to worship God, to love Him, and to love other people. Yeah, I think you could have been sitting sitting in where I worship this morning because that's very similar to you know <laughs> what was talked about this morning. Uh, you know, rest is, uh, and I last last week even mentioned that we talked about the Sabbath a little bit, and it was like, yeah, it's it's your it's out of rest. Your Sabbath replenishes you. God knew what He was doing. He knew the pace of life that we try to keep now. It's not going to work. Uh, we uh, and there are things we can do. My question now is, when I sit down with something, whether it's to watch something, which I don't do much anymore, but I still do. But is it there? Is there anything redemptive here in me watching this? Uh, and when I walk away from something feeling like something was fed on a spiritual level, I'm thinking that was time well spent. When that's not there, I start kicking myself, going, mm. you know. And sometimes I've, I've thought I'll, I'll check out a new show and I'll watch a couple of episodes. And by the second episode, I realize Mm-mm, this this has nothing. And there may be something latent in it down the road, but I don't want to wait. There's other things. It's things of uh, more excellence, other stories. And I, I even pray about, you know, bring, I have a varied interest about things. Uh-huh. You know, if I let my mind go to everything I'm interested in, it would just be like all the time, <laughs> various things. But I'm like, God, when is this supposed to, when, when am I supposed to see this story or read this story? And what's the takeaway from it? God, how did you speak in this? Because I believe God speaks in everything. And yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, this is where you know I'm. I was a political science and business major, so I try to kind of. Sh- it's just how I'm wired, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that's that's the things I enjoy, and you know, business is a lot of talking about the margin, and the margin being what is the benefit from this decision. Everything you know, what is the marginal benefit, the marginal revenue from our next choice. Everything in your life is a choice. And God even says you have to account for those choices, the words you say, the actions you do. So in every step of our life, it's just like that. What is the marginal benefit of what I'm doing? What is the marginal benefit, the marginal effect of how I treat this person? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you come into contact with people where you know, you might not think that it's valuable to speak to them, or you may just not understand why you would speak to them. But mm-hmm. that's part of living and abiding in God is understanding that everyone you come in contact with, and everything you say to them matters. Everything matters from now until eternity. Your story is not over when you go in the grave. It's yeah. not, and we have to understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. We're 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 at the doorway so to speak of the Lenten season and what you have asked for prayer wise fits right in line with that um, and to me I, like I say I describe Lent as a wonderful season of intentionality um, maybe a little heightened awareness more heightened awareness 
Uh, it should be that way at least, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to undo you with uh, 40 days of lack of something or a more burden about something, but you're stepping into a story within a story within a story or a journey within a journey within a journey where your focus is on uh, coming right out of Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. You know, let us fix our focus upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Uh, and uh, then the next verse says, uh, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that ye not lose heart and grow weary. And that was our ending place this morning in the message. And that's where you're wanting to go with Lent. Our departure point came right out of Isaiah chapter 50 where one of the servant psalms, the suffering psalms, and there's a phrase, Isaiah 57, talking about Jesus 800 years in advance. He set his face like a flint. And when you look at the book of Luke, starting around Luke 9, uh, for the first time it's mentioned, it says Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And for the next six months of Scripture from Luke 9 till the time he crossed over into Jerusalem, he, every step was intentionality, intentionality. And so Lent is this wonderful season of intentional, intentionality, like what you're talking about. Every word matters. Everything we do matters. And I think that's where I think the American Christianity, if you want to call it that, we may not think that we may not understand not because we don't know about it it's because we choose to ignore it is that everything that we say and do matters the things that you might put on social media matter you know you think uh, everybody has some everybody feels like they have something to say when the, when the phone's in front of them mm -hmm. so you have to make sure that the things that you say have a marginal benefit to other people's lives. And if it doesn't, don't say it. Sometimes the best things that we say are the things that are left unsaid. Yeah. You know, that's that's true. I don't, I think somebody said that as a quote or something. I don't know who it was. So I apologize to whoever said that. I can't attribute it to you. But um, I think that is something that we all need to understand is that we have to be more intentional in reaching other people with the good news of Jesus. And you cannot do that if you choose to distract yourself with things that don't matter. Yeah, You can't do it. It's why you just said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you cannot fix your eyes on something, if you don't have that intentional direction in your life, you will get distracted. You will get motivated by things that don't matter. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And I want to commend you. You, do, you use Facebook well. The things you write on there are edifying, uh, or lift, lift people up. Uh, I've never read a divisive uh, comment by you. It's challenging. You can say challenging words without being divisive. <laughs> I, well, I try to at least. Yeah, well, I think you, I think you, uh, you do that very well. Because uh, uh, the truth itself at times is divisive. Like, it is. Well, a lot of people think that the truth is hate speech now. Yeah. So what are you going to do when someone finds truth to be hateful? You know, what What can you do? The only thing is so difficult today to, to communicate the truth in a way that everybody's going to be like, yeah, you're right. Or, yeah, I understand that. Everybody's going to have 
there's there's 330 some odd million people in America. There's 330 million opinions. Mm-hmm. There's 330 million different ways of understanding things. But there's only one scripture. Yeah. There's only one Bible. And that is why instead of focusing on what your portion of that 330 million is, you say, this is what the Bible says. Yeah. This is why I believe what I believe. And leave it at that. Yeah. Get out of the way of God. Let it be. If it's not grounded in that, then you probably shouldn't say it. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how the Bible, even ahead of time, will say something in it that kind of that brings it right on down to our time. And I, I don't remember who said it. Uh, you probably do. Uh, someone in the Scriptures, when he told the truth, people got agitated, mad. It may have been the Apostle Paul. But I think, and then he, here's the words. He said, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? <laughs> And I think that's you know goes you know hate speech idea you know I don't it's I don't want to hear that so have I now become your enemy because I love you enough to tell the truth. Yeah, a lot of and it's it may be political it may be someone in your family that you have to tell the truth about something and if it's something that they might disagree with your your goal is not to be right it's not to be uh, a winner mm-hmm. it's not about winning or anything it's about showing people the love of Jesus and understanding what Jesus' commands are for our lives. And if it fits that, that's all you have to worry about. Yeah. I have, I don't know how many friends on Facebook, uh, last count, but all of them are dear to me. I have people on every political spectrum, every issue there is out there, and I love every single one of them. And I always want to speak, and I bear that in mind when I speak that I'm not saying something that is that is going to be mean spirited because again in scripture first Peter four, you know, tells us first Peter three tells us, you know, uh, for anyone who asks of you the reason for the hope that you have, when you share that reason, do so with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to be understanding of of how you should say things. And if you want the best example, you look at how Jesus answered questions from the Pharisees or how he told the parables that he told. You know, he always answered in a way that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. So a way that's unexpected for you might be something that other people are not going to understand. But, you know, your job is not to inject yourself. You don't inject yourself into the message of God. The message of God speaks for itself. Yeah. And when we get in the way of that is when we do the most harm. When your words get in the way of letting God be shown through you, you know, that's when you get in the most trouble. That's when your words that we have to give an account for will begin to have a negative effect on somebody, and we have to stay away from that. Yeah. And that comes, again, from where we started being in scripture if you don't know the answer don't pretend like you're just going to make something up because you think it's right if it's not in scripture if it's not something that god has told us tell the person you know i would love to have this conversation when we have the scripture in front of us let's look at it together Mm -hmm. that might even open a door for them to be interested in reading that themselves you know that's where we have to change our mindset is instead of me being right about something, let's find out what God has to say about it. Yeah. I know you're you're committed to being in Scripture, being in God's Word every day. 
and that's one way we hear God. But uh, how? What are some other ways that you hear God speak to you throughout the day? I have had times, and my wife knows about this, where I have actually read scripture about uh, being generous to other people, and I actually got a phone call from someone. This was two or three years ago, maybe, I'm thinking. Anyways, he had been visiting our church, and he called me out of the blue, and he asked, he had to go pick up somebody, I think maybe his daughter from somewhere, he needed Mm -hmm. gas money. And I knew, I I was on the phone, I, I, I can remember I was sitting on my couch, and I remember God saying, Hunter, take care of this man, you have the resources to do it. And I kind of paused on the phone. I was on the phone with him. And I kind of made, I don't even remember what I made, some kind of excuse. And it eats me alive to this day about how that may have impacted that man's life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's in church anywhere. I have no idea. I don't even know if he lives around here. But when you are in the Word, you understand what God's commands are. And when those opportunities come up in your life, I do believe that God says, you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Do it. And that's one way. Another is if you are in constant prayer, as the New Testament says, pray without ceasing, meaning that you live a life that is always in step with God, always in conversation with God. I do believe He is more likely to, to be willing to use you. You think mm-hmm. about the people that God uses in Scripture. Uh, he is always intentional about who he chooses and you know the things that he asks them to do it's people that are listening in the first place so if you're not listening how are you going to hear anything yeah you know yeah yeah reading the devotional a few years ago jesus calling and there was uh, the phraseology used in there of course it's the voice of jesus speaking to you every day that's how the author wrote it but there was one thing that just struck me, uh, and I think it's in January. Anyway, the, the very few words, God speaking to us, Jesus speaking to us, saying this, relax in my sovereignty. That's biblical. Relax in my, if I'm sovereign, relax in it. And you better listen, right? <laughs> yeah, you better listen. Yeah, better be obedient. And, and, you know, there are times when the things that God asks of us, we're going to want to do. You know, like, yeah. There are going to be other times when it's like, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, sometimes you are more hesitant depending on what it is. And I think sometimes God does, it may be your time, it may be your money. And I don't know what it is. I think everybody has their own things that mm-hmm. maybe affect them more than others. But you've got to be willing to let go of whatever it is in order to be obedient. And if you choose not to, that's when you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Like my example I could have taken care of that guy, no problem. But I probably was thinking of all the other ways I could live my life, mm-hmm. not have to worry about taking care of somebody else or helping somebody else that needed help. And, you know, that changes how I view things. It's helped me understand that I've got to live open handed instead of closed fisted. You know, you've got to be able to let go of whatever you have in order to live for God. Yeah. Um, you talked about Jesus calling and 
a lot of people, you know, what is my purpose in life and what is, what's my calling in life? And we buy, you know, we look at the scriptures and we, we may even buy another book, you know, trying to understand what was I made to do when, as we said, being in the Word helps you understand that whatever you choose to do to sustain yourself financially and whatever to get you through the week to pay your bills is second tier to why you're here on earth. Yeah, It is not the be-all, end-all that defines you. You were made to love God and love people and to make disciples. That's Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28, go find a good job and take care of your family and then tell people about me. He says, go make disciples. And for some reason, we think that our calling is, you know, what am I going to be doing with my life or what ministry? Your ministry is always there. Mm -hmm. You're always in ministry. You're always in witness. But your calling is to be obedient to God's commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And the rest of it falls into place once you get there. That's the first thing we have to do is to be obedient and understand that our calling, our purpose in life was to do that above any kind of job or income or family, anything we could even think of. That is not the purpose that Jesus left us with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love God, love people. You know, a journey within a journey within a journey. I've been this past month. One of the devotions I use is Bob Goff's book, uh, Walk In, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Uh, it's over here behind me somewhere. Uh, Live in Grace, Walk in Love. And this month, he's just been wailing on, Bob Goff doesn't wail, but he's been, he's been just getting after this whole idea of loving people, loving people, loving people. And even to the point a few times of some of the things he said, I was like, wow, like one of my favorite things he said. And I thought, well, that's so true. He said, why do we call it ministry? Just call it love. Just call it Tuesday, you know, because of the minister, a lot of times that's, that puts uh, us, that puts the spin on us doing something for you. Yes. And puts that person, the recipient, in perhaps a little bit of a, a, a predicament. Why don't we just do it? Why don't we just do it because we love people? And, and that's like, if, if that's got to be the heartbeat. Loving God, loving people. You know, you do think about uh, a minister or a pastor, and sometimes when people hear those titles, like if there's a, a hospital or something, for mm-hmm. example, you think, oh, well, that person's job is, is to love people, as if that's the face of the church. A pastor is, is just there to lead other people in doing the same ministry that, mm-hmm. that he does. Yeah. That's... That's the purpose is to take care of the flock where he's at. And a lot of people leave it to the church, the church pastor, the church staff, to do the ministry, quote unquote, or the witnessing. And we think that's their job. Mm -hmm. But that's all of our jobs is to be doing that in step with God as a pastor leads. You know, if if you're not at a place where you feel like that, you might need to reexamine. You know, if you've got to re-examine what am I doing here? Why am I here? Am I serving God? Mm -hmm. Am I here as a a pew stumper, if you want to call it that? Am I just here because my family always went here? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to examine every part of your life to determine, is this what God wants me to do? Yeah. Am I living an obedient life? Yeah. And be ready for those moments like you had that moment. 
uh, somebody comes along, they express a need, and you know, to go along at times when it wasn't your idea or whatever. And, you know, and the thing is, God, when He asks questions, like when He asked that question of you, I'm just saying, throwing this out there so you quit beating yourself up over it. Uh, <laughs> but just, uh, you know, realize sometimes it's God's, it's, whenever God asks questions of us, it's going to benefit two people person he's leading us to go to but always it's for our benefit as well and God's bigger you know God alright you're not going to obey I'll find somebody else and yeah. he does that through me all the time I'm sure you know alright Robert you're not going to listen I'll find somebody else he even yeah. says you know if the rocks will take your place in yeah. scripture if you're not you know that's what we don't I think we fail to understand we kind of limit our understanding of how important it is uh, to live in obedience and to serve God is that we kind of uh, just kind of disregard him in a, in a time when he says, if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. Yeah. You know, you cannot be complacent and be obedient yeah. at the same time. You have to be willing to do whatever it is you're called to do. Yeah. So we're kind of bringing the plane in for a landing in our conversation here. I want to ask you uh, some, some questions about your own personal walk. What has been one of your favorite moments following Jesus? One of my favorite moments following Jesus, I think, is in the most recent years. I think that uh, after I got married, and obviously we have children now, but the last three or four years is where I think I've really come to an understanding of why I'm here and what I was made to do. Mm -hmm. You know, our church is very mission-oriented to our local community. We have to understand that we have to reach. We don't want to forsake the people that are at our doorstep to go reach somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, and it talks about going in Judea and Samaria, all the ends of the earth. It, not to say that one is more important than the other, but it's important to minister to all those. And I think that is what the season of my life is now, is understanding that we have to be willing to serve everyone, no matter socioeconomic status, color, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, the best thing that somebody told me one time about service was in order to serve like Jesus served, you have to get over the smell. Hmm. And you think about, think about the lowest of lows that you could imagine and the most possible, the greatest example of service that Jesus did was washing people's feet. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that people who have worn sandals their whole life, who constantly walk where there's dirt and who knows what on the ground, mm -hmm. and this guy comes along and says, let me wash your feet. It would have been something that we'd be like, I am not doing that. If, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we wear socks and shoes all the time, but you know, it's, it's getting over the fact that you think you're better than someone else or yeah. that this person is not worthy. Every one of us is worthy, and we have to realize that. Yeah, which really makes that, that thinking, when you're talking feet, that verse of Scripture in the Old Testament that says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And they're like, why not say beautiful the face? <laughs> I know. Beautiful the head. You're beautiful the feet? Are you, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not what I usually think of when I think of uh, beautiful. Yeah, no, not at all. If I were to say, Hunter, 
you and I are going to go to the place that is most connected to your heart. Oh, wow. Where is that place? Most connected to my heart? Yeah, where is that place? I would say... Where are you going to take us? Well, I'm big on family. So I think even more so I'm big on my immediate family. I think it would be my home. I think it would be uh, sitting down on our couch together, having conversation with people that you love. You know, I'm not really attached to stuff. I'm not really attached to certain areas in life. You know, I think as you progress in life, your your markers, your physical markers change as to what's important to you. And that may not be the same for everybody, but it is for me. So mine is kind of like home was where the heart is. Mm-hmm. It's with the people that I'm with, I think, is is where you would find that. Yeah. That's good. And you have a table? I do have a table. Yeah. You know, we're really bad about not using it. Though. My table seems to be uh, something that catches stuff more than we share king cake or food with. But, you know, when I think about the best times that I experience or the most memorable things, it is the meals around the table. Yeah. Because it does bring a connection to people around you and it does inspire you to love them more than just sitting together on a couch eating whatever. Yeah. You know, it does make a difference. Well, I'm going to keep keep you in my prayers, as I ask you to do for me. Uh, I, like I say, that that prayer request to be seeking rest, but resting in Him and abiding in Him and letting that feed your heart and your soul and give you strength as you walk into the next days. Uh, and just uh, I'll, I'll be keeping that before the Father's throne. I'm looking forward to seeing how God continues to flesh that out for you, too. I am, too. And my my prayer for myself as I go through that is that it progresses into my family yeah. and hopefully friends or my other network. Because you're not meant to keep it by yourself. You're not meant to hide it under a bushel, as the, as the song says. You know, you're supposed to live that out for other people. Yeah. And that is the ultimate goal is always, always in all ages of life, in all aspects of life, to share the gospel with other people. Yeah. Yeah, and so. my encouragement to, to you and to myself and to everybody listening is just do that. Start out. Uh, maybe you've never celebrated Lent, and these next 40 days, maybe that's daunting. And a lot of times, just like a new year, we'll set out on something and we'll, we'll get, well, yeah, we're going to make these changes, we're going to do this. Five, ten days go by and we're burned out already because we're trying to do too much too soon. So wherever you are, let God take you where you are, wherever I am, wherever Hunter is. You know, let him take us where we are and let him build you to where you need to be. And, you know, you've already brought home the point, Hunter, that uh, the idea of rest, even in agriculture, the ground rest in between the sowing of the seed and then comes the harvest between the harvest and the next sowing of the seed. God has built it in already. It's how we live. Yeah. That is how, you know, all creation bows down before him. It it matters. Yeah. We have to be willing to to understand that and live by that. Yeah. Yeah, one of the most uh to me one of the most gracious offers, inviting offers of scripture. Jesus said, "Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden." and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
And he said, and then he says this: yoke. You usually, you know, for those of us in a non-agriculture culture, non-agriculture culture, <laughs> sounds like a redundancy. Yeah. Redundancy. Anyway, uh, yoke. You think of that that goes around the the ox's neck, and and you think of it being heavy. And he says, no, 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 no. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The rhythm is already there. Just get into God's rhythm. Walking yeah. step in step. Yeah. That's yeah. the most important thing is understanding that you think of Scripture not as a story that was told long ago, but uh-huh. that the same God of Abraham and Isaiah and of the 12 disciples is the God that you worship today that you are telling other people about. It's not a history book. It is an active lesson, an active ministry that we're supposed to continue to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I promise you this, God willing, you will be back at this table again, right. both figuratively and literally. Uh, Sounds I, good. I'll do, I want to visit with you uh, and uh, someone else at the same time. Uh, you, it's about some challenges that you've, you know, you, some valleys you've walked through, and we will be back for another conversation at another time for that. In the meantime, we're going to enjoy some king cake. And for those of you who are tuned in listening, I just want to thank you for being here today. Let God take you where you are. I trust Him. Let Him breathe into you, and and just trust Him to take the steps for this day. And let him take you as far as he will don't try to do this in your own strength Uh, you just let him do it through you and next week i'm excited god willing be right back here at the table a week from today monday morning but my podcast guest next week is none other than bob goff and so uh, i'm excited about that hunter has bob all warmed up here uh, for when he comes in and just every week i'm excited about whoever comes to the table Uh, i talk to everyday people whose words need to be known and people whose words are known that are also everyday people because that's who we all are just being obedient following uh following god following jesus so thank you again hunter for coming to the table it was a blessing all right Until next time you hear the words party of redemption, your table is now available. We'll see you then.